Father, thank you that while we, man, while we are so shaken so often, our weeks are full of trials and battles, to think that we can not only call you our Father, that you are never shaken, that you are strong, that you are loving, that you are perfect, and that all of reality is woven into your hands. Thank you, Father. Now strengthen us through your word. We want to know what it is to follow Jesus. We pray that true, supernatural, transformative work through your spirit would radically happen through this series. May it not be a series. May it be a journey of the heart where we see people overcoming sin, where we see people overcoming false traditionalism and going deep in fellowship and fellowship with you. Teach your people, awaken your people, whatever is in the mind and in the heart. May your spirit shake it like water off a jacket and open the heart to be people of burning passion for you. Do something powerful. Continue to move in this church. Sweep through this place through the sermon. Awaken your people into a, a new, passionate fellowship. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles, guys, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. It's one of those rainy days, so I'm, I'm fired up. I'm excited today. I hope you're excited as well to be here. Matthew 5. Grab a Bible in front of you. Matthew 5. You can look in the index. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. Don't worry. Uh, I'll walk you through all of this. Hey, let me tell you something cool, too, that you can get involved with. Um, we have a Thursday community group. Um, that some of us have designed and launched. And uh, it's at uh, Luke and Allie's house. And uh, there's about 10 of us or so who've been getting together. We haven't really announced this. It's not, on our, it's not really on our uh, website. It's kind of a trial run. Um, but this is going to be a part of our future at Bethel. And uh, what we're doing on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock as we get together, it's just a very different environment there. Uh, is we are working out these sermons. So maybe you're hearing these sermons and you're like, hey, I kind of got that, but I would like to talk to you because I'm a little upset at you about that. Or you're like, hey, I'm really struggling with that. Or hey, I just love that and I would love to share how that's been working in my life. That's your day. That's your night. I want you to come to that. So we've got all kinds of discipleship or fellowship opportunities. We've got Confident Living on Wednesday night, we usually pack the room out, and then we've got this great new small group or community group, and uh, we'll be developing more of those. So if you want more info, you can go on our website, uh, BethelSF.org, and you can find our Connect dropdown, and you can email us if you want any info, or you can see Luke and Allie. Luke is our awesome drummer. I uh, can't miss him. Um, so great way to work out these sermons, and it's been a very, very sweet time, all right? Uh, look at Matthew chapter 5. Let me read our text for this morning, we're going to dive into this, this series, Follow, as we look at part two of Follow. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read 21 down to 26, just to get the context of what we're talking about, as Jesus lays out this amazing, famous sermon of his, and we want to be in that sermon, and we want that sermon to impact our hearts. Beginning in verse 21, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Uh, that's intense. Verse 23. 
So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gifts. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you do some time. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So the context here is all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And when we talk about following Jesus, Jesus is very interested in relationships. And we asked this question last week as we launched this series, and I've got so much great feedback already from part one of this series. We've asked this question to start it off. What does it look like to follow Jesus? All of us have an angle. All of us have an idea. All of us have a lens that we look at following Jesus through. Um, some of you, it's through a church you grew up in. Some of you, it's through a parent that showed you what it was to follow Jesus. Some of it hurt you. Some of it hurt you bad. Somebody taught you how to follow Jesus all wrong, and you just got one step in the door right now, and I thank God for that courage. Some of you saw it in a beautiful way, and you're thrilled about Jesus. So we asked the question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And uh, we worked this out at the, at the community group last Thursday. Um, how many of you guys love it when you're misrepresented? Like someone takes your words and totally tweaks them and tells someone else. How many of you guys just love that? You're like, man, yeah, I love when someone forwards my private email to another person and tweaks the whole thing. Yeah, we don't like being misrepresented. And uh, I get this feeling like Jesus wants to be properly represented by his own words when it comes to following him. Uh, when he explains what it is to follow him, I just think we should take it from his mouth and kind of start over. And the weird thing about being human, one of many weird things about being a human being, is we're all in search for a voice, guys. We all want a voice we can trust. We all want one we can follow, a way that leads to peace. We all want someone to show us a path of peace and a path of purpose. And we look to all kinds of human elements and, and ways, and that's fine. But what if we could go back to Jesus? And what if, what if we could sit at his feet and literally hear, hear his sermon as he says, look, here's, let, let me be the voice. Let me be the leader. Let me be your pastor. And I want you to hear what it looks like to follow me. And come and join the most exciting life ever. But oftentimes, guys, if I'm just crazy real as a Christian pastor, oftentimes Christianity has become more about rules, more about the outward, more about tradition, and less about a relationship with Jesus Christ, more about systems rather than following a Savior. I want to follow a Savior. I want to be like the 12 and I want, to, I want to be behind the Savior, learning his ways, learning how to love like him and learning how to forgive like him and, and learning how to deal with government or people that hurt me or money or nature or beauty or celebration or food and car washes. I want Jesus to teach me how to live every aspect of my life in joy. I don't want to go to church and dive into rituals and rules. I want to dive into Jesus. And I, I put this on Facebook. It's a great book I read uh, this week. And uh, I don't even know the author. It was sweet, though. He says this, If Christianity is dull and boring, a burden and not a blessing, then you are most likely involved in a project, not a person. 
You're most likely involved in a project and not Jesus. And so we have the opportunity for all of us to get involved with Jesus as a person and learn the awesomeness of following him. A.W. Tozer, you guys with me? He beautifully ruined my life. I, every, I was, I was a, a proud, pharisaical, traditionalist. And by the way, not all tradition is wrong. If I say that, believe me, uh, we need some tradition. But I was doing just fine as an outward legalist in my Christian walk, feeling much better than everybody else when I walked into uh, Powell's Bookstore in Portland, Oregon. How many of you guys been there? Yeah, that was like a revival in my heart in Powell's Bookstore. Uh, my wife brought me there. I was geeking out. She brought me there for my birthday. That's when you know you're a nerd. <laughs> I go into Powell's bookstore, and I'm looking through the Christian section on some, some good feel-good books that'll make me feel better about my righteousness. And I see A.W. Tozer. Bought the book, took it home, and he fried my brain. Man, he like rearranged my heart. And, and he, I think he was the first one who, who's like, John, Speaking through this book, like, John, are you about Jesus? Like, is this about following Jesus? Or are you doing something else with Christianity? And I was like, you know, I would beat on that book, like, stop telling me this. And then I would read another page and he would say, go hard after Jesus. And he said these words in this magical book. He says, here's what your Christianity should be about. To have found God, to be saved, to have found God, And still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. That's when it all went in in pieces for me. John, you found him. You realized one day you were separated from God the Father because of your sin. And you realized that Jesus, the Son of God, came to live the life you could never live to please God. He lived a perfect life on the earth. And John, you know that he died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sin so your sins could be taken out of the way and nothing would be between you and the Father anymore and you could come back to him and be in his family again and be loved by him every second and go on this new journey and be raised afresh and anew by him and his ways and find joy again. John, you got that. You got God. You found God. But here's the crazy thing. He's so good. Keep hunting God. Go deeper with God. He's limitless. Explore God. All of a sudden, everything started coming together. I mean, isn't that after all what relationships are all about? I mean, how many of you guys enjoy marriage because of the great tax breaks? (laughs) You know, like your kids or your grandkids are like, why did you get married? Grandma, grandpa, why did you get married? The tax breaks. You know, I, I, I set some rules up in the house. She follows my rules or he follows my rules. No, I, I, I'm married to my wife to chase her around the house. You know what I'm saying? I'm married to that woman because I adore her. I, I cannot wait to know more about her. Relationships are not about a checklist. They're about a pursuit. And I'm pursuing that lady. But anyway, that's none of your business. I want to pursue God. This thing, this Christian thing, is not, it's not about a, an outward thing. It's about a heart thing. It's about a heart knowing more and connecting more with God's ways and experiencing him more and enjoying him more. So this is the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to picture the scene. Uh, Matthew 5.1. This is the whole theme right here is you've got some religious leaders and again, I'm not attacking religion and all this stuff. I'm, I'm looking at this in the context. There were some Jewish religious leaders 
who had taken God and the Jewish people and said, look, you follow these rules, uh, over 600 added rules on the Sabbath alone. Don't do this. You can only walk this many feet on the Sabbath. You can only eat this on the Sabbath. You can only do this. You can only wear this type of material on the Sabbath. And if you do enough of that, God will be pleased with you. That is bankrupt. Because no human being has the power to live that way. Jesus comes in and says, you were taught to follow God that way. And as this, he's not even a revolutionary man. He's setting it right. They had tweaked God, these religious leaders. He comes in and he says, no, 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 no. I want you to gather around 5-1. He's got thousands around him. He's the miracle man. They're, they're following him. Imagine this, this slightly dead hill with some dust and rocks and some shoots of grass popping up from time to time. And there's heat pounding, pounding down. And it's right at the base of, of, of a beautiful body of water. And Jesus walks up this hill and thousands are coming down because they're saying, free us from Rome, free us from these religious leaders. You be our leader. He sees the crowds. His heart is broken for them. And the fact that God has been misrepresented to them. He goes up on this hill. He went up on the mountain verse one says and then he sits down he takes the posture of a rabbi and he says look let me be the one religious voice you hear I'm the true rabbi I'm the true teacher and then he calls his disciples up and they came to him he says sit at my feet you be my student followers you be my apprentices and let me show you afresh with fresh eyes and some of us need that let me show you guys with fresh eyes as the crowd is is yelling and trying to get close and people are holding them back and he says to the 12 i want you to know what it really looks like to follow me because i'm going off the scene very soon and somebody is going to have to teach the thousands And he begins in verse 2, laying out this massive sermon from 5, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And he begins to attack, he begins to reveal, he begins to drag into the, the light of God all of the extra rules that were put on these poor peasant people. Imagine that being poor and broken and having young ones who are dying and being enslaved by another government and all you want is God to step in and yet you constantly feel unworthy. I mean, what is grace about? So Jesus dives in, look at Matthew 5, 20, and he says, for I tell you, and he's talking to his crew, he's talking to his followers. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, which is to say, unless your walk with God, unless your religious experience, unless your Christianity is deeper than a, a list of do's and don'ts, unless something has happened to your heart through the Holy Spirit and you've had a true conversion experience, you're not a part of this. And if you've had that experience, then let's go deeper and follow Jesus' heart. And if you haven't, and maybe somebody has misled you, this is your day to come to Jesus for real salvation. Uh, let's do it. Let's go to Ezekiel 11. I skipped it last week, and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was telling me not to do it again. Ezekiel 11, look at this. What does it look like when someone is saved? What does it look like when someone is converted? I'm not trying to be cruel or rude, but it's not uh, an escape from a, a situation that you thought you were going to die in and God, God saved you from that. I'm very thankful for that, but that's not why Jesus died. 
It's not starting it out, you know, yeah, I know Jesus and I, I like Jesus, I accept Jesus, but I, I still think I need to keep all these do's and don'ts and God receives me because of that. Look at Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. This is the gospel. This is what happens when one receives Christ as Savior, the most important thing you can do. Verse 19, and I will give them one heart. That's us, guys. We're supposed to be unified. We're supposed to be woven into each other and there should be one motive, one one factor in this church, Christ. All we do, we say, does this please Jesus Christ? Does this get Jesus out into our city? Are we experiencing more of Jesus? If not, let's stop, let's pray, let's rebuild. I will give them one heart and a new spirit. This is what happens when one becomes a Christian. I will give them a new spirit. It's almost cheating. Like, I can't be good just by the outward actions of myself. So God says, that's cool, watch this. I'm gonna invade you. I'm gonna totally invade your hearts and I am gonna supernaturally awaken your heart to love me and have joy in me and actually desire to, to walk after and follow me. And that's what happens when I got saved. I mean, it's, it's a slow process, but nonetheless, all of a sudden my heart is made alive. It's like a dead heart that all of a sudden starts beating for God. A new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone, the one that kept trying to keep the law to be loved by God. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. I will awaken their affections for me that they may walk, that may, they may live a lifestyle naturally out of a desire from the heart in God's ways or statutes and keep God's rules because we want to. We love to obey God now. That's how we become his people and that's how he becomes our God. Amen moment? Oh, my soul, help me with that, guys. Help me with that. So this is the message of Jesus. Go back to Matthew chapter five. This is the message of Jesus Christ. He says, guys, let's get the gospel right. It's about through grace accepting me as your savior and then through a heart of love, it's about learning my way of living life and following me. So this young visionary leader, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the guy with, who grew up in the broken home, the, the guy who grew up in the single parent home, the guy that most likely grew up poor, all of a sudden emerges as this young visionary leader with almost no education, no prominence. He sits down in the position of a rabbi and he begins to reteach a fresh way to carry on his life in this world long after he leaves it. And that's the same mission today. That's what the church is. So I'm gonna give you one point to add to our sermon series from last week. One point uh, this morning, write this down. Uh, this is all recorded, so you can listen to this as well. One point, to follow Jesus, guys, is to put relationships before rituals. To follow Jesus is to put relationships before rituals. You get that? And, and here's, the, here's the crux of, of this, this portion of the sermon. The Jewish people, and not all Jewish people, I'm, I'm talking about in this context, the religious leaders over the Jewish people treated people terribly. Not all. We know that there are some good ones. But they treated people terribly. Um, as if that had no effect on their walk with God. Jesus comes in and he goes, look, this whole thing's wrong. If you're a real follower of me, if you're a real follower of God, the fundamental thing that changes in your heart is the way you love people. 
Because when this relationship gets right here, this one, these relationships start healing. When I know this healing, when I know this grace, when I know this acceptance, when I, when I know this joy right here of God who never gives up on me, always loves me, sees how messed up I am, and loves me the same, that, that was a, a song we were singing about five or six years ago. Um, I, think, I think the Gettys are one of those. I don't know who sang it. But it, it said, you know my heart and you love me the same, guys. Get that. Think of the, the worst things you thought of this week. He, God got it. He saw it. And he loves you the same. See, when this thing gets right and you're bathing in this awesome relationship here, you start looking at people and showing mercy. When you know this mercy daily, you show mercy here. It's very hard for me to attack people and everything else when I see my own faults and see how awesome God's love is. That starts shaping my way that I treat other people. So I want you to think of how people generally treat people in our world. It's crazy. I want you to think about how thin-skinned people are. My soul I mean, you just look, I mean, somebody's getting lit up or sued in our pop culture almost weekly by something they say. Now, some of it's awful. Some of it's just awful. But it is amazing how thin skins people are, how hurt people are, how angry people are. And yet God has chosen us to be this new, fresh humanity that says we know love from God and we're going to do this a different way. We're going to love people. And it was really no different than Jesus' day. The religious leaders, now get this, a little history lesson. You guys good out there? Yes. Okay, sunshine and we're good. It's going to be a great day. Little history lesson. Here's the, here's the religious leaders. We'll call them the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the rabbis. These Jewish religious leaders are over God's people, the Jews. And all of them are enslaved by Rome, the Roman government. You guys good with that? Um, and so what they said is, don't kill the Romans, but, but hate the Romans. All right? And then, and then they teach this right here. Oh, by the way, um, uh, by the way, you know the prostitute, you know the homeless person, um, you, know, you know the rich person who doesn't want God, but he's still a Jew? Don't kill him. <laughs> But don't like them either. As long as you don't kill them, God's cool with you. They're bad, we're good. You see where I'm going with this? The common person was so misled in Jesus' day when it came to God and how God wanted them to treat people, in particular people who were not like them. And so I've asked myself this question all week. How do you respond to those who are not like you? How do you respond to those who don't like you? How do you respond to those who are different from you? Well, maybe you don't kill them. Thou shalt not kill. But how do we feel about them in our hearts? And that is the message of Jesus. Look, I'm not worried about if you don't go up and, you know, whack them with a board, this outward thing. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the heart. God wants the heart. I want your heart, Jesus says, to begin to emulate and morph into mine. How do you feel about people? It's like, whoa, Jesus, this ritualistic stuff is much easier. 
How do I feel about people? Oh, you're meddling now, right? No, we're doing Christianity now. Matthew 5, 21, check this out. You have heard that it was said to those of old. You guys were taught by the religious leaders, here's how you treat people. You shall not murder them. And if you do kill the the person you don't like or who doesn't agree with you, Whoever does that is going to be liable to judgment, and that means the courts. You're going to be brought to court. So here's what the religious leader said. Don't kill people because you'll be sentenced and go to prison. Speaking nothing of the heart, though. You can hate all you want. (laughs) And this is what it looked like to be religious back then. Don't kill those who don't agree with you, but don't treat them well either. Don't love them. There's no room for that. And their superficial perspective literally taught nothing to God's people about the inner attitudes of the heart. Now, I am my walk, and I'm preaching at myself. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. I want to become transformed in light of this. I want my heart to be an on-fire, radical lover of humans. Not people who are like me. But people are so woefully different than me. Psalm 51, let's check that out. Look at how God has always wanted the hearts. Psalm 51, verse 6, he says, uh, meet me there, I gotta move quick here. Psalm 51, 6, jot that down if you can't get there. Behold, here's what the psalmist sings to God. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You delight when the heart is right. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. It's not even the heart. It's like the the deepest crevices of the heart. God wants to align with his. Look at verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifices. I don't want this outward stuff if the heart isn't right. For you you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. I mean, if that made you happy that we just went through a checklist, God, I'd do it. But here's what the psalmist says. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, the heart. The heart being bent towards the ways of God. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. But what you will despise is a heart that isn't right, that isn't in line with God, but outward checklists that look really good. No, God says no. And some of you are like, this is, this is heavy. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Okay, we go on a journey together. There's, there is no Jesus who says, you need this now. This is a journey. We do it together. We grow this way together. But visualize yourself as a human being who, who is a deep lover of all people. That is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Read the Gospels. What was he doing? And someone is going to inevitably say, yeah, we're supposed to... We're supposed to hate evil and hate evil like God. And and okay, praise the Lord. That's a dangerous line to play with and get too comfortable with. Okay, do it. But I would just assume take this life of Jesus in the Gospels where he's going around and taking all of the outcasts, rich and poor, and loving them. It's the one place you can belong is with me, Jesus says, I love you. But everyone else judges us. Everyone else casts us away. The very guy who wrote Matthew was an outcast. A rich outcast who turned on his own people and Jesus says, I'll take you, I love you. I want that heart. 
And what Jesus is saying is, man, we can't justify ourselves because we don't kill. <laughs> like, I ain't kill nobody, right? In essence, what Jesus is saying is, guys, I want the hate out. I want to make you a healer of people. And that's not easy. That is not easy. Because there's always a gap between two minds. Between me and another person. Isn't that right? I mean, nobody gets it like me. There's always that gap. Um, or, you know, maybe someone in my house that I'm supposed to be loving doesn't, doesn't understand what I'm trying to explain as fast as I got it. You know, and it's like... What are you doing? So we all have these gaps. We're all from different worlds. We're all from different backgrounds. And so you and I are going to come together in the church or we're going to go out there in that city and someone's going to think differently than us. We got this huge gap. What do we fill that with? That's stupid. That's foolish. That guy's an idiot. Jesus says, fill it with grace. Build a bridge of grace between you and that other person. That's what it looks like to follow me. Uh, Pier 39, anybody go there anymore? That's tourist stuff. That's not, okay, Joel, you're down. Uh, me being a long time San Franciscan, I don't go down there. Okay, I went down there two weeks ago because I've only been here seven months. Um, everybody know the cartoonists? What do, they, what do they do to you? I don't know why anybody pays these guys to do this. What do they do to you? They take the feature that sticks out the most, and they enlarge it. I, my nose would be like this big in one of those pictures. And what happens when there's that gap between minds, between us and another person, it's so very easy when, when someone doesn't agree with us or see things the way we see things, it's so easy to become the cartoonist and find those things that you don't agree with and just mass enlarge them. You know what I mean? It's just super transparent sermon this morning. Matthew 5, 22. So Jesus just steps in. And by the way, he's not, you know, he wants his guys free. He wants them free from this type of strangulation. He wants a heart full of love. And so he's going to teach them. And, and I want you to know I'm teaching this because I love you. And I want you to be a free lover of human beings through this with me. Verse 22, Jesus goes like this, but I say to you, so they said, as long as you don't kill people, you're good. But I say to you, I want your heart. But I say to you that everyone who is angry, oh, this is just way over the top, Jesus. I can't even read it. But I say to you, yes, I can, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Whoa. If you kill someone, the religious leaders taught, you'll be brought to court. Jesus says, if you live a lifestyle of anger towards people, you very well could be in God's court. And it's like, but I'm not a murderer. He that searches the hearts. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to, hell, to the hell of fire. Now, let me work this out just a little bit. What Jesus is saying is, hey, if you're a Christian and you hate someone in your heart and you go through a bad spell, you're done. No, he's not saying that. He's saying if you live a lifestyle of hate and anger in your heart to other people, you may have never experienced the transforming work of the gospel. It doesn't mean we don't mess up. Believe me, I struggle with people because I'm a person. 
but it doesn't enslave me. When God sees this response, it's, it's really crazy. I'm not saying it, guys. Like, if you want to know what it looks like to follow Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying. God sees this response as literally murdering a part of someone. When you insult and when you judge, it's like murdering a part of someone. And here's why. How many of you guys still struggle with something someone teased you about when you were a little kid? I was told uh, by people that my, my toes are long. I'm dead serious. So all through my teen years, I never showed my feet. I am dead serious. I've now been liberated. I kind of flaunt my feet now. Jesus does that healing work. But what happens there? What happens when someone is told something over and over and over, or even just one time about who they are? It can mar them. They can forget about who God says they are and begin to see themselves as the way that that person said they are. And they can live with that. And God says, they bear my image. We don't do that. Even if someone is different from us, even if they're wrong, they are infinitely precious and they are made in the likeness of God. And we've got to be so careful on following Jesus and loving them, not judging and tearing them down. So Jesus says, follow me. Love them instead. Oh, this is impossible. Not with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus is in us. We can do this. And you're saying, but they won't change if I, just, if I just love them. I went through this battle for a long time. But they won't change. If I just love them, they won't change. Oh, how, how wrong I was. No, it was only through love that they changed. It was through the aggression and the judgment that they kept hardening. You see, guys, it's only through love that humans change. Think of how you got saved. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. The cross. And the reason love changes the human heart is because love and grace amplify wrong. When someone's wrong and they know it, and you don't come in and bust them up or judge them or criticize them or come with anger to them, but you love them and you show them grace and you speak truth laced and bathed and swamped in grace. It softens the heart to change. A soft word turns away. Matthew 5, 23, and this is what Jesus is saying. He says, it's love who will change that person. And he begins to give us an illustration. Bear with me for just a minute. Look at 23 and 24. This is so cool. Jesus comes up with these outlandish, just over-the-top stories to really get a truth to hit the heart. So he goes like this. Now I want you to picture this. Jesus is, in, Jesus is in Galilee. Okay, Jerusalem, where they sacrifice in the temple, you with me, is 80 miles away from where Jesus is at. Three days, three days walk. Okay? Once a year, all the Jews would go up to Jerusalem they would walk three days from where Jesus was. They would walk to Jerusalem and they would give their offering in the temple to be right with God. Three-day walk. And so he, he gives this kind of hypothetical storyline and he says, okay, look, if you're struggling with someone in your hometown of Galilee and you walk three days to go do something to be right with God, here's the deal, verse 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar in Jerusalem, and there you are. You're right there. You're going to hand it to the high priest. Boom, I'm right with God. 
And then you go, ooh. As you're holding this animal, there you remember that your brother has something against you. Like you're fighting with a person. Verbal slander, anger. Leave your gift there before, before the altar. Just, just leave the animal. And when he says, end, go, no, 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 no. And walk three days home. First be reconciled to your brother and then walk three days back. Pick up that animal, hand it back to the priest. What's he doing right there? Love changes the heart. If I'm that guy in Galilee who's fighting with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so goes up to sacrifice three days and all of a a sudden I see them walk back into town and they come up to me and I'm like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be up in in Jerusalem sacrificing, man. You came back three days? Yeah, I did come back three days because I love you. Like, I got to get this right. You think that guy's going to fight? That guy's going to go, whoa, whoa, you left the animal up there and you, that's six days of walking and you got to go back nine days just to make this thing right with me? Are you serious? Yeah, I want to follow Jesus. That shocks the heart into humility and unity. We do a homeless service on Fridays and a homeless outreach. Cynthia, we're killing it. It's beautiful. We drive up Friday down the alley. I'm done. We drive up Friday down the alley, orange alley. Tired, got my family in the car, going to serve the homeless. There's Bethel. There's the building. There's the history. Praise the Lord. Driving down orange alley, I see a young lady probably in her 20s with a skateboard, duffel bag, and she is trying to get into our church. She's trying to break in. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? Jesus says, what, what would I do? Follow me. I'm grumpy. I'm tired. I'm driving. And I can feel my wife, my daughter, and my mom. I can feel Jesus, like, coming. And I so just want to say, just, just go. What do you, you know? I pull up next to her. I roll down my window. And she's grabbing one of the door handles and trying to get in. And I rolled down my window and I said, hey, uh, can I help you? And she's like, this is San Francisco. She's like, I don't think so, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm like, uh, I go, hey, I passed her that church you're breaking into. And she just stops. And, and it hits me like, what are you worried about? People break into churches? Like they come in here? What are you going to do, run her off? Are you serious? And I can hear my wife, you know, she's whispering, pull the car over, we can help her, we can help her, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, what are we going to do? Are we going to be so worried about this that we don't see the life behind this? The soul, the fact that this girl's got parents and she's from Colorado and her parents have run her off and she's on drugs and she doesn't know what to do. It was cool when she took the bus out here with her friend. But now she doesn't know what to do anymore. I'm just sitting there like with my, yeah, my windows rolled down. I'm sitting there like, man, Jesus, I got to get my heart right now. And I'm like, 
we're going to help you. Just don't go anywhere and don't break anything else and just stay there. And, and so we pull in and, and we bring her in the building and we love on her and we feed her a warm meal. And my wife spends some time with her and, and gets into her story and just says, you know, yeah, we want to we follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to be a relationship healer through radical acts of love. And so I say this, when we do this, when we love those, and when they see that we are Christians and we love from the heart those who are different, the world can't escape the man in the act that this type of love always points to, the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's go on this journey together and follow him through loving those who are not like us. Let's pray.